0: Squarefooters, wanted to talk to you today about an older book that I just finished called Psycho Cybernetics. I know it's a bad name. This book has been called the Godfather of Self Help Books. It's known as really the first self help book that was written. And it's a really fascinating story. It was written in the 60s by a plastic surgeon realized that there were instances where he had successful plastic surgeries and he had unsuccessful plastic surgeries. Now, we're not talking about the actual surgery itself. From a physical standpoint, the patient looked perfect right there. Whatever the ailment was, whatever the thing was that they were trying to fix looked perfect. It was a perfectly well done job. The problem, though, was that he noticed that Some people stepped into their new world, right, where they had the confidence and whatever it was that was fixed, if it was a nose or forehead or whatever it might have been, they didn't notice it anymore. It didn't bother them anymore. It wasn't always on the back of their mind, right? Whereas other people seemed to still see themselves as being, quote unquote, ugly or still saw themselves with the nose that they didn't like or whatever the the thing that was was fixed they still saw that as part of their life. So the author actually got very, very deep into psychology. He actually, I believe that he had his master's, he might've even had a PhD by the time it was all done in psychology. And what he found was that the people that were quote unquote successful in their surgery, again, meaning that they, they didn't see the ailment anymore, they had more confidence, those people, actually saw themselves prior to having the surgery with this new life. They actually pictured what life was going to be like without the nose or whatever it is that was ailing them. So psychologically, these people had gone through and did the healing work that they needed mentally in order to be able to embrace and live the life that they always had wanted prior to having the surgery. What he found was that the people that still had the ailment or still saw the poor nose or whatever it is, those people had not gone through that exercise and had not actually seen themselves and what life would look like after the surgery was done. So what this tells us is that the mind has a huge part in being able to realize and live out our life that we truly want. Mindset is a huge, huge part of it. So in the book, what he distilled this all down to is that you want to visualize yourself living the life that you want to live, having the, if your goal is to lose weight, having the body that you actually want to to have. If you want to invest in multifamily real estate, envision what your life looks like once you invest in that opportunity. And what he found was that you want to do this for 18 days. So that starts to get your subconscious programmed so that you're constantly working on whatever this issue is and living out that life that you want subconsciously so that you don't technically have to you know, truly be working on it. Obviously, You do need to make steps forward, but your subconscious is going to have a huge impact in being able to get things done for you and take steps toward accomplishing whatever that goal might be. On Invest in Square Feet, we unlock the secrets of wealthy entrepreneurship. I'm Matt Shields, and my mission is to help business owners like you protect your wealth so that you can invest passively in multifamily real estate. Today, we're talking storytelling, and not just any type of storytelling. This isn't Hansel and Gretel. We're talking about storytelling to build your brand. If your goal is wealth, having a brand and owning a brand is a key step in being able to accomplish that. Erica Sart is a brand building expert who has experience with Airbnb Tag Heuer. I, I believe that's how you say Tag Heuer and Estee Lauder, just to name a few. Today, we're going to learn how to overcome a stagnant business. You might be noticing in your own company that marketing and sales and maybe even operations are all conflicting with one another. And there's a good chance that that is a big indication of a brand problem. So we are going to learn actionable strategies to build a successful brand that not only attracts customers, but also more importantly, retains them.
1: The firm that did the Holocaust Museum sort of transformed the way people experience stories in space. Ralph Applebaum is the designer who started that firm. He really thought, like, how do I take a story that's so powerful, that's a piece of history that's so important and really get people to pay attention? And so what he did was he took interior designers, he took architects, he took product developers, he took content like historians, a whole multidisciplinary team of people and put them together and said, okay, we're going to create a space that gives people an experience with the story. And it really changed the way museum exhibits are from science museums to, I mean, if you look now at how experiential and learned, like how much your body and your mind are engaged in those kind of spaces, like his firm really did that. And so I got a job working in his office when I graduated and I, a couple of years after I graduated, and I thought like, this is, this is it. I've been able to put together this sort of conceptual artist side of myself with the more functional design side. And so I ended up doing that with his firm in China, in Beijing. Um, I moved back to New York and did that in New York for another firm there for a few years. And then I found myself back in China again in Shanghai, working around the year 2010 for the Shanghai cultural clients there. And what happened was I eventually started doing more pitching to clients. I think that they realized I was really good at putting together presentations like pitch decks really quickly and selling stories to clients. And I kind of stayed in the marketing side of things for the rest of my career. And that was over 10 years ago. I went back to school and studied marketing and realized that Okay, I have a really special position. I have a really unique skill set. I have this sort of fine art making design side where I understand kind of big stories in space, but I also have this marketing side where I understand kind of the idea of how to tell stories and how to, you know, do that across multiple channels. So I have this like technology side. So I was able to work in a variety of industries related to home furnishings. I worked for manufacturers and house doing brand marketing. And then I was recruited by a tech company in San Francisco to build out to support a team to kind of sit between a marketing function and a design function to help kind of guide a a new product for this. It was for Airbnb and did that for a few years. And then COVID changed the way, obviously, hospitality worked. And so I said, okay, now is the time to kind of come back to (laughs) doing what I want to do and not Mm -hmm. be kind of at the, you know, at the whim of other large companies swayed by, you know, global factors. My entire team, this entire product we were working on was completely deprioritized, completely out of my control. So I thought, okay, I think it's time to work for myself. I've, it's time, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when I started my business. Sorry, creative, which is a, a boutique agency focused on, like I said, storytelling for interior designers and home furnishing manufacturers, brand marketing. I
0: love it. I love it. So, I feel like storytelling is is an art that you know not very many people realize how intertwined it is. In all parts of their life, right? Yep. You know, and obviously with marketing and businesses, that's all that that basically is trying to convey that story, get that emotion across, Mm -hmm. or or even add an emotion to some type of physical thing, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) How do you go about establishing, you know, this is going to be our voice, right? You know, and again, there's all kinds of different, Mm -hmm. different ways of looking at that, right? You know, some people might be more edgy or some brands might be more edgy or more technical or whatever. How do you go and say like, yes, this one, this is us, this establishes, you know, and captures us. Like, how do you start that?
1: Brand storytelling, you're right. It is an art. If you look around at everything in the room where you are, and this is for you and for everyone listening, look at what you're wearing, look at where you're, what you're sitting in, look at you know the computer you're using. Look at the devices you have. Like, what are you listening from? What are you reading? Like every single thing around you was based on a purchase decision that was driven by a brand story, a story that they were telling you. Maybe multi generational stories, things you've heard for years and years and years. If it's Apple or Microsoft, or stories, you know, relatively new stories like the stories that Yeti tells. If you have like a you know a cooler or something. They have to be emotional. They have to be driven by a certain understanding of a client or a customer and those core emotions or core motivations that are going to drive them. And that's where the stories come from. So my process for helping a brand define or determine what that story looks like, I will say it starts with three pieces. And they're very strategic pieces that are not just tied to the story. They come from understanding the brand itself. And once you Crack the code of what your brand is about. Once you change your mindset from being a business to a brand, then this idea of storytelling and once you kind of really get, again, the strategic piece is so much more easy, Mm -hmm. super easy because you'll understand not just your own motivations as a business, but what benefits you offer, what your clients are really looking for and how you connect those two is like really what makes a successful brand. So those three pieces are what really defines you as an extraordinary brand? What makes you stand above your competition, right? When that's really like your differentiator, what really makes you different? And sometimes when I talk to clients about this, we, we make a list of like, what are the positive associations of your brand and what are the negative associations with your brand? And if you know that perhaps the negative associations can be flipped into positive things, let's say you've just started out and you don't feel like you have a large team or you don't have a lot of client work or you're, you know, struggling to kind of be seen in a bigger kind of industry, flip that and say, well, you know what? I'm a smaller company. Or I have a smaller team, which allows us to focus more specifically. You're not going to get lost in a big corporation. Like that's how you take a negative and turn it into a positive aspect of your brand. That's just one way. Yeah. So that differentiator or that list of competitive alternatives are what make you extraordinary. So it's a first piece. And I all these start with an E <laughs> to try to get people to remember them. So extraordinary is the first one. Second one is emotional. And that's the piece where you really key into what is the core motivation behind someone's really wanting to buy what you've made, what you've offered. And I'm speaking from like a home furnishings point of view. So what makes them wanna buy one sofa over another? Mm -hmm. What makes them wanna choose one interior designer over another? It's not in a sense, and I'll speak from the design side, it's not, people don't typically hire an interior designer just because they want more space in their garage or they wanna transform their garage, no. Mm The real core motivation is that Maybe their kids are growing up and need a place that's more private where they can hang out with their friends and feel more independent. That's a core emotion. Or maybe one of the, you know, maybe the kids are leaving and they need to transform it into an office space, right? There's, there's a core emotion behind that where the drive is like, maybe there's a new business that needs to be started. Maybe there is a man cave that needs to be started. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's an emotional side of what's driving them that is more, usually more important than that functional resource. And every business has this. Every client that comes to a service provider or buys, like I said, a product is going to come with some kind of core emotion that you as a brand need to understand. And that's what's going to give you, again, that connection between what you offer and what they are really looking for. So once you figure out that emotion side, so you have what makes you extraordinary. You have the emotional part of your brand story. The last part is the experience. And so this is something that describes how it's really more of a kind of like a marketing call. Like how will you build a story around each of the touch points where your clients will find you? Mm -hmm. And that experience can be how you show up on social media or how you design your website. Right. It has an experience to it Mm -hmm. (laughs) that needs to be emotional and extraordinary. Or how do you... You know, welcome clients into your office if you have a physical workspace, right? What is their experience like and is it tied to your brand? Mm -hmm. It shows up in the welcome mat. It shows up in how you to offer them coffee or water. It's about how your brand kind of promise and your emotion of your brand and your Extraordinarity? Extraordinarity? (laughs) made that up sounds, sounds good, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> that thing that makes you different how that shows up across each experience because that is what people are going to remember when they think about you later and that's what brand is brand is again that story they tell themselves about you after like I, who was it oh my gosh what's his name anyway he said brand is what people say about you when you leave the room
0: okay that sounds very familiar. Was that, was that Richard Branson, maybe? No, no,
1: it's, oh my gosh, I can't believe I can't remember his name. Amazon.
0: Bezos. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Bezos. Yes. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot that. Forgot. I remember <laughs> what he said. That's not good for his but brand. He hasn't been <laughs> in the news
0: quite as much recently, so, you know.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Anyway, that's my process. And it, I distilled that down into something that feels a little bit more digestible but of course it, it's a bigger process and it takes a yeah. lot of a lot of questions that i work with brands to to uncover it's and it takes it takes a while it takes a couple of you know could take a couple of weeks minimum to get mm-hmm. to really defining what those things are it takes a lot of different stakeholders at the table to really help make it clear if a brand or a business has not really Thought about these things before. Maybe they've grown really quickly, or they grew mm-hmm. more organically, and that's okay. They're doing the work yeah. you know, when they get to it. Or perhaps they are, you know, wanting to rebrand and they have to rethink how to make themselves relevant to a new set of customers or a new set of mm-hmm. clients. So,
0: at what point, what stage would you say it would be important to establish your brand? And I, I mean. Mm-hmm. Obviously that there's all kinds of different levels to that, right? Like you just sort of went through where, you know, maybe there's a rebranding exercise or, you know, again, you've grown quickly and now you want to establish that brand, you know, from your perspective, do you think that this is something that you you should do as soon as you have the funds to do it or maybe you even taken in some some VC money or something like that? You know, should establishing this brand be one of the first things that's done? or you know is it more important to focus on the business side of things and establish you know how things work and all of that first <laughs> does that make sense uh,
1: yes it does and i'll tell you marketing always thinks that everything they do is the most important thing mm-hmm. in any business Operations, sales, there lots of people will fight back on that and say, maybe it's not true. I think it has to happen as a collaborative process. It needs to start as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, if you're setting up a business, you need to think that it's going to operate well. But I will tell you that a brand can help drive business decision making. It mm-hmm. can help with training new employees because it gives them a sort of purpose and a mission to make priorities in their own workday around. So brand is really critical and it is an investment. It takes time to build a brand, right? To build. I mean, think about like mm-hmm. Disney and Apple. And I mean these brands have been doing brand building f- for a really long time. Yeah. But like I said, there's newer, fresher brands that have invested very heavily in marketing. I would say Yeti is really a good one. They have really, really, really put a large amount of their resources toward marketing because they see it as it's building value it's a sales tool so again invest as as much as you can in brand as early as possible is my answer to
0: that you made me think of and i believe that it was airbnb i think if i remember correctly i was listening to a story about them and or about the business like i said it was i think it was airbnb They consider themselves a Mm design-focused company, right? Rather than, you know, maybe a Mm service-focused company, right? That's kind of an interesting designation. Obviously, you know, it's a technology, they're providing a service, Mm -hmm. but taking, I guess, the user experience and, you know, that brand side of things Mm -hmm. above all of that is one of those sort of foundational decisions on you know what is going to sort of trump the other thing in our hierarchy do you have any insights into brands that might have gone down we'll call it again this you know more brand focused path sooner rather than later as opposed to someone who went out and and obviously like taking airbnb right they they were extremely successful very very quickly Mm -hmm. i don't know if that was a decision to make it more of a design focused company right from the beginning, or if this was sort of an afterthought. So I'm just I'm curious from your perspective on, again, what that relationship or what that looks like from a company that did this sooner rather than someone who waited to you know start having these types of conversations and you know, establishing what that brand stood for and how it was emotionally felt or the stories that are being told or mm-hmm. all of that type of stuff. Any thoughts there?
1: My first thought is to say there's a graveyard of brands that died mm-hmm. <laughs> prematurely because they didn't well, I would say they in it's hard to diagnose really. They overinvested in perhaps scale or operations. They prioritized those things over the experience of their customer or of the kind of it's not necessarily about the the marketing story, but it's about how the brand really resonated. I think it's easier to talk about the success stories that the brands that have really, like you said, Airbnb, I think what Airbnb has done is to say, okay, yes, we do provide a service. And, and that is not something we can continue to build and scale on what makes us extraordinary is that we have placed our brand and we've looked at that like the third piece, which is experience. We've looked at how to use design to optimize the experience across every single touch point of someone who comes to us and will differentiate ourselves. We will become like leaders in this. I mean, there are other marketplace platforms that Mm -hmm. offer a very, very similar experience, but Airbnb always stands above and beyond because there is such a a clear focus on how the product works, how easy it is to use, and that's design. So I would say you're right. That's a great example. Could we talk about others? I mean, I think Disney is one. Obviously, Apple is another. And again, these are big, 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 huge, massive global brands, which have billion dollar (laughs) budgets. Yeah, sure. So it's really hard. To compare them to smaller businesses, Patagonia is another, yeah, or
0: controversial one. Obviously, they've they've made some huge changes. I feel like, and maybe this is just a personal thing, but everyone they want to focus on whatever the thing is that they're creating or offering or whatever it is. We're gonna, you know, focus more on this service or you know put more into the software or whatever the thing is. Right? Is there maybe? like some things that we can check off, like, yeah, we, we've made it to this point. We have that, we have that. Now mm-hmm. we should start doing this or should start looking at this or I don't know, thoughts, thoughts there?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, a, a good way to tell is your product growing? Is your business growing? Are you a, getting sales in the way that you are building systems to bring in sales from, right? Mm-hmm. Is your sales mm-hmm. process working? And if it is, then something's not broken. Yeah. <laughs> but most yeah. of the time, that kind of either product market fit hasn't happened, or they're finding that it's all accidental. They don't know their sales team and their marketing team and perhaps operations are not all aligned. Mm-hmm. They're having just some wild string of great luck. And that's difficult to scale because you don't really know what's working. Yeah, And one, there's no bad time to do this kind of work, to do this sort of strategy work. It just takes buy-in from the people who make the decisions and I mm-hmm. need to <laughs> be able to kind of slow down the machine enough because sometimes in doing strategy like this, you find that things have to change. And that's also difficult, especially if you've been in business for, for a while. So mm-hmm. when it comes to, so I work mostly with, like I said, interior designers who run medium or small businesses, and they are finding that this goes for any kind of service business, that they're not getting the right clients. The clients that are finding them or coming to them are coming to them for you know, maybe smaller projects than they wanna work on, things that are outside of you know the scope. And, and that's a messaging problem. That means that they are not able to communicate clear enough that the benefit of their service or the scope of the services that they wanna work on or projects that they wanna do isn't clear. For someone who makes product or manufactures things again that shows up in a little bit of a different way like are the, how is your sales process mm-hmm. working and and where can brand support and branded and marketing support an additional kind of push on your sales so there're two different problems with two different approaches from the brand side from the messaging side it always needs to come from again the core motive the stories you tell need to speak to people so they need to be about the benefits of what you offer as a service provider or the benefits of what you what you're selling the product like it's not just a sweater it has something to do i bought this sweater for a different you know for an emotional reason as a product or i bought this table or this computer for an emotional reason. And so that the brand storytelling has to speak to that. And if you don't know that, <laughs> if mm-hmm. you don't, if everyone in your company doesn't know what those things are, then you have a brand problem. Like, yeah, it's it's not never too soon to start.
0: And obviously that can have an aligning effect with everyone yeah. as well. So that, you know, again, everyone sort of starts thinking the same way. You, you kind of almost establish a culture, if you will, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: you bring this through the company and it kind of sounded like you would suggest that once you had a measurable business where you knew that if we did this, you know we'll get this type of result. you know once you get to that point, mm-hmm. that's probably about the time where you should start thinking about bringing in more brand type speak and start marketing things that way. Yeah. Is that fair to say?
1: Yes, but I think even if you're just starting a business, There's components of brand, it's again, that you need to understand about why you do what you do Mm -hmm. and why you're offering what you're offering and who you're offering it to. I mean, those are sort of the basic tenets of of any kind of marketing is like you really have to understand who's going to buy from you. Yeah. who you're trying to attract and is there some kind of calibration between yourself and what you're doing and what other people are looking for, you know, if you don't yeah. know that.
0: Makes it makes it difficult, yeah.
1: <laughs> you have to step back a little yeah. bit further than just Right, right. So would you say
0: that you also provide like copywriting and, and those types mm-hmm. of services as well? So it's kind of, again, establishing, establishing yeah. the brand. This is, you know, who we stand for. Do you dive into... Yeah. You know, creating the personas of, you know, this yeah. is our ideal customer and yeah. and all of that kind of thing, too. So it's kind yeah. of, again, establish this entire brand package, if you will. Yeah. And, and, uh, and
1: more than that, too, it's, you know, the way it's the storytelling on on your website. The one idea I used to kind of explain this is, OK obviously there's words and we we know we can read books and we read magazines we read blogs we whatever it is that you you intake that there's a design to how that information is given to you right and when you think about you know your brand message it can be a story it can be your about us copy it can be your services it can be product descriptions it can be all of that kind of copy is part of your your message and how you speak to and has to be written with the lens of understanding who your buyers or your clients are but it also has to be designed well like the information design has to be done properly. Because if you think about like the difference between reading a novel, a page in a book, and a poem, poem is intentionally written such that there's a cadence and a rhythm and a way that you start to think and intake the meaning behind it, right? It's designed, literally, the words are designed in a certain way to where you You understand the information properly. Your copy on your website just can't be thrown there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It has to have that kind of nuanced design to it as well, because how people read it is going to be how they perceive your brand. Yeah. So that's another, it's not just copywriting, it's visual design. It's how the images and the colors and the typography, how everything works to present your brand. Mm-hmm. And that is then when design also becomes, like I said, a sales tool Yep. and works as a, you know, does some heavy lifting on getting people to understand your brand. And that's an investment too. A lot of people unfortunately don't realize the power of good you know graphic design and information design but it's just as important as what's being said or you know the money you spend on photos or videos it's important
0: yeah yeah and from uh we'll call it user experience design do you yeah. design that entire you know, again mm-hmm. experience like we're looking at obviously yeah. you're focused on furniture right now like this is this is what <laughs> they see when they first you know might open the package or, you know, mm-hmm. open whatever the thing is, right? Or look at the, yeah. the piece in, uh, in a magazine or whatever. You, you handle all of that. Do you also do digital assets as well? That kind of thing?
1: Yeah, all of it. Like um, scripting for videos, also photo shoot layouts, photo shoot design. You know, how are the assets going to be used? Are they going on, you know, social media? Are they going to be in print? There's a lot of factors that go into kind of getting visual getting visual design and what it's communicating. It's quality of light. It's the, you know, how the room is staged or propped. Are there people? Are there not? Are there kids? Are there pets? It's like many different storytelling elements that go into selling just a piece of furniture. I would say think about, I guess, a brand maybe everyone knows as Ikea. So you've got the experience that shows up in the catalog. You've got the experience that shows up on the website. You've got the experience that shows up when you go into an IKEA store. It's Everything has been super carefully calculated to present this story of accessibility and like really well-designed function. Like when you take a product home, the package is well done. It breaks down easily. There's little waste. The instructions don't even have words. (laughs) You know, like they give you all the tools. They thought of everything, which is great. That's a brand experience. Like they've really got it figured out. So how do you help other brands do that?
0: Mm -hmm. How do I
1: help other brands do that? It has to happen across multiple channels.
0: Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do you feel like there's anything that I haven't asked that people should know about this? Any type of typical? I'm curious, like from your perspective oh that gosh. you live this and breathe this every day. I'm curious, is there something that you see a lot of people struggling with or you know something that comes to mind that?
1: just a really great place for people to start. And this can be something that businesses of any size can do is just to do a brand audit, like go and take a look at all of the ways you are talking about your brand. So for a new brand, this is sort of more of a checklist. Like, how do I say the same thing across my Instagram bio or my across all of my social media bios across my my website copy, you know, what happens when someone Googles me? Like, what's that SEO copy? What's that say? How do I introduce myself at a networking event? What's on my business card? What's on my email signature? What is on like every single piece of collateral or every channel that's part of your marketing, part of your marketing efforts? And then how might someone else talk about you, right? When I give you this cup, right? I'm just going to say, ah, I love this cup because it's what, right? Or I, hey, I'm working with this designer. She's great. She's da, da, da. What are other people saying about you? And are they sharing the right message about, again, what makes you extraordinary and what like really kind of like drove them to do it? Like you can control all those narratives, but what I see is that companies that grow really fast, And don't have, you know, haven't kind of necessarily invested in the right marketing or the right branding. Those messages are all over the place. People are confused, right? The answer to confusion is always going to be no. Someone's going to go to a brand that's really got their shit together and sort of understand that, like, that's the best thing for them because it's more emotional. It's cohesive. Yeah. cohesive, right? So do a brand audit really quickly. I have a template you can use or you can just write it out or take screenshots and put them all together in one place or give this to your, you know, marketing lead, (laughs) your (laughs) marketing head to do and just make sure that everything is crystal clear and that the right clients that you want to attract, again, based on that emotional factor, are going to read this and all this information in different parts and pieces and really understand who you are. And you'll see quickly what's broken. And you'll see quickly what needs to be prioritized, (laughs) and uh, you can go from there.
0: All right. So, we know that all of us interact by telling stories. But what story are you telling with your business? Is it clear? Do your customers know and understand what you stand for, what they're going to experience and get when they interact with your products? And more importantly, are your own employees? All moving in the right direction. A brand, a proper brand story can bring all of this together. You can reach out to Erica at Sarratcreative.com, and that is S-A-U-R-I-T creative.com. She also is on Instagram again at Sart Creative. And you can even email her at Erica at And as always, if you want to understand what the wealthy do, head over to Invest in Square Feet and sign up for our newsletter. We include additional tips that you can only get in the newsletter, and we also reveal investment opportunities to everyone who has subscribed in the newsletter. We drop every Wednesday on whatever podcast platform it is that you use.